<laughs> MFIT Radio. All right, guys. So for this episode, I have a repeat. You're my only repeat guest. How do you feel about that? I feel pretty good about it, except for, I mean, I'm not, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> it's not like you're interviewing me, asking me things. That's like saying Morgan Freeman's not important. The narrator is what? the most, that's like, <laughs> the narrator is the most important piece of the puzzle. Oh. Like, think about all the documentaries. If that person wasn't there to talk about it. And that's who you are today. We're going to do a Q&A with M. I, I am, you know, gearing up for this new 21 day challenge and I'm stoked about it, but I really love hearing from challengers specifically, like what to talk about, what issues you're going through. So I reached out to the private Facebook group that I have for my challengers and I said, what questions do you, do you want me to answer? And they just have impressed me once again with some really great questions. So today is going to be just a Q&A style. Uh, and this is Wade Kilgore, who was episode one. The one. The one. And you are a yogi strength trainer? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I am. I mean, I haven't been doing any yoga. I've been doing zero yoga. What happened? I mean, I that was know. your, was, you try to convince me so much to do it. I'm a huge believer in yoga. I just, um, I've kind of just gotten away from it, I guess. I don't know. I've been focusing more on that endurance training, doing lots of trail running, did some trail running with you, some mountain biking, just being outside. Not that you can't do yoga outside, but. Yeah. I guess you, cause you're training for a race, right? Yeah. An Xterra race. An ex- what's an Xterra race for those who don't know? It's a triathlon, but it's off-road, so open water swimming, open water swimming, uh, mountain biking, trail running. And when is it? August 17th. Are you ready? No, I can't <laughs> swim at all. I'm a horrible swimmer. Stop saying that. You can't say that. All right. Bad. I'm sorry. I'm an amazing swimmer. I'm going to get better. Going to get better. Put it in the universe, Wade. I'm working hard. Well, I decided to CrossFit again. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't taken a CrossFit class in like, how long has it been? I've always done my own programming or my own design or I... It's been like probably like five years since you took a CrossFit class. Well, I don't think I've done CrossFit for five years, so probably not. But I haven't done it in over a year, so I'm really excited. I joined CrossFit 720 as an athlete, and I'm excited to take some classes. And I feel pretty good about it. Um, okay, let's let's start with the first question. You uh, ready? I'm so ready. Okay, hit me. Can adrenal exhaustion truly be healed, or do you have to live with it? And also, along those lines, how much exercise is too much? double so adrenal exhaustion can it be healed so i like that um she talks about adrenal exhaustion versus adrenal fatigue because true adrenal fatigue is like so rare do you see a lot of clients with adrenal issues um i see a lot of clients that hear it because it's super popular to say that right now so i feel like i have a lot of people that just will say it without really ever seeing a 
professional and really getting that determined that that's what's going on with them because yeah so if you get um your cortisol tested i finally switched to dutch testing where it talks about not just free cortisol but also metabolized cortisol in your body it's a dried urine test which is really awesome to kind of see that process um what i really think is awesome about it is that you get it you get to the root of the issue and so with adrenal exhaustion it can be fixed and it can be supported if you are finding out why it began in the first place. So for example, I talk about this in my adrenal challenge, but what happens with adrenal stress is there's usually another organ involved. And so with the adrenal glands, they're right on top of the kidneys and they basically produce a hormone called cortisol or stress hormone. And if at any point our body is in a, you know, too much of a sympathetic state, or we're causing a lot of stress in our body with, with life and emotion or with organ stress, we can cause havoc inside. And so what I mean by organ stress, because we all kind of know what's stressing us out on the outside, is I look at blood sugar and I look at liver. Sometimes it can also be gut health. Um, and when one of those are off, say for example, you get bloated a lot, you get um, crampy a lot, you run to the bathroom a lot, of course that's gonna cause adrenal stress. What if you get hangry all the time or your blood sugar crashes? That is pancreas stress that's going to cause adrenal stress because that cortisol is our backup plan. That cortisol is going to kick in when the blood sugar drops so that our body doesn't feel like it's dying. And then again, liver stress is a huge one because the liver does so much for us, moderates blood sugar. It also helps with hormones and then it detoxifies. It's like, I always think that the liver is so overlooked because it just always is working and it always does a great job and it can be so easy to over overlook, I guess. And so when I'm looking at healing the adrenals for somebody and supporting the adrenals, I think it's important to just look full picture. So it's not just the adrenals you're going to support with adaptogenic herbs or glandulars. It's really going to be finding the root cause of your adrenal stress. And from that place is when you can heal. And of course I should say this now, I am a nutritional therapy practitioner. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to diagnose anybody. I'm just here to help you heal and support. And then with exercise, what was the second part of that question? How do you know how much exercise is too much? So with too much exercise, do you see this with your overtraining more so than undertraining? Uh, not with my people because usually it's I have people that have certain injuries and things like that, and that's usually why they're coming with me. So they're usually uh, cognizant enough to kind of take it slow and not. So they're healing things. already. So they're already healing. Um, I think yeah. with me, my clients are more so um, they're more prone to overtrain. So I would say that's true. So when I know I'm overtraining, and this just is just personally, I'm one, I am not sleeping very well or workouts feel a lot harder than they should. I think actually I talked about this in my last podcast. Um, I start to get, it's just like my creativity goes away and that sounds crazy, but when I'm just not enjoying it, when I'm doing it to check the box and when I just feel like I'm always sore or I'm always tired or I'm in the gym and I don't leave the workout feeling exhilarated, is that's a pretty telltale sign that you probably passed the limit that your body's able to do. And when you hit that sort of exhaustion with exercise, I mean, exercise is demanding cortisol from your body, especially anaerobic exercise. When that happens, you are going to 
cause more adrenal issues if there are adrenal issues already existing. And so there are points in time with clients, I have to have that come to Jesus moment where I'm like, okay, if this is where your cortisol is, metabolize cortisol, free cortisol, wherever, whatever it is, if it's depleted, if your DHEA is low, if your hormones are low, we have to look at how you're going to heal. And sometimes the exercise they're doing is a big reason they can't heal from it. What do you eat when you're out with friends and they don't follow the same diet as you? Do you just uh, adapt on the go? And then what kind of snacks do you eat? Well, you'd be good at this question. Um, I, I mean, I yeah, I stick to my diet no matter what. Even if most of my friends don't follow my diet. And I don't think it's um, particular hard. People always ask, like, how do you stay on your diet when you go out? Things like that. There's always choices. There's always going to be a protein there. You know, they're always going to have some kind of greens or something like that. Um, just. I think it's more of the social aspect that she was just talking about. So if you're out with a bunch of friends that don't follow the way that you eat or don't understand the way you eat, I think that you just need to know that people that are really respectful of who you are as a human being will respond positively. If they are insecure in their own thoughts, in their own body, and if they are not understanding why you're doing what you're doing and they might give you weird looks, that's on them. So it's more their issue than it is yours. And I think you just got to own it. So for me, when I, when I eat out, I'm very proud of the fact that I eat a certain way because I just know how it makes me feel. And I feel proud because I've, I understand how it works. And so constantly learning, obviously, like with my challenges, my goal is to teach you why your body responds to certain foods the way it does. And so then you have that confidence when you're out and you can help educate your friends because when, when they're seeing it from a perspective of health and well-being versus a, just a, I'm not eating this because somebody told me not to eat this, then it's different. And if, if you know, if they judge you, then that's on them. Just never take it personally, just kind of own it because it's worth it. I think if you're willing to put, you know, if you're willing to go out to eat and find modifications and you, you obviously can compromise. So maybe they don't have, um, gluten-free options, but they have corn tortillas. So maybe you're having corn tortillas and instead of wheat flour tortillas, or you're just asking about, can you do this steamed? And then can I add my own olive oil? You just got to get really creative. And I hope that you feel confident enough with your friend group that you're able to do that. Next question. Here we go. I've heard lots of tips on what types of diets to do. Keto, carb up. One's best for like CrossFit workout. One's best for endurance. But what if I do a little bit of both as far as training goes? That's a great question. So it's really like, you know, it's kind of cool because your body does need different fuel depending on your method of training. So, you know, there's tons of studies with Stephen Finney that talk about how ketogenic diets actually perform, make endurance athletes perform better. And you can even intermittent fasting. There's studies that say that you're able to better utilize oxygen and go for longer and increase your endurance just by becoming more of a fat burner. But then you look at, you know, typical science and how it's been for ages and it says carbohydrates are needed for fuel. So there's constantly a push pull and there never will be one person that says, okay, this is exactly the answer. So I'm going to give you my thoughts on this. Um, when it comes to your diet and nutrition, regardless of the activity that you do, I think the most important thing is that you want to feel healthy, that you want to have 
a strong sense of what healthy even means. So you're sleeping well, you're waking up with energy, you're not craving sugar and you have no crashes throughout the day. And that in itself is saying you, you have control over blood sugar. You don't have these, these issues with cortisol. You, for the most part, just like standpoint view, you have a great sense of like health and energy. And what happens when we have too many carbohydrates is we can throw that off very easily. And so I believe getting into the baseline of cutting sugar, cutting processed grains and cutting gluten and seeing how your body does just on that, seeing how your energy does, how your, how your hangriness does, how your gut issues do. Um, once we kind of dial that in and we're just starting from scratch, like the challenge, you just do 21 days of like feeling out how healthy you can be by cutting out certain food groups like sugar and gluten. And maybe you don't respond negatively to gluten. Maybe you do. Then we can dial in specifically for your training. And so this is my thoughts is one, if you are a CrossFitter or doing high intensity interval training or anaerobic exercise, meaning you go very, very intense for very, very short amount, short amounts of time. So anything under even I would say six minutes or less that are really tough you have to have some sort of carbohydrate because if not, you're going to have nothing for your body to give because your body wants glucose and it can't make it quick enough in the systems to have it available right away. And so cortisol will be the backup plan. And then we get into adrenal issues. So I think CrossFit and low carb has kind of caused this insulin resistant paradigm. And so my thoughts are start with just cutting out the sugar and cutting out processed grains and gluten. From there, we can look at, okay, do I do more high intensity exercise? Do I enjoy CrossFit? If so, then keep your carbohydrates anywhere between 20 and 30% of your overall caloric intake. If you are more of a slower athlete and not, I don't mean slower bad in a bad way, but if you're not doing very intense workouts, six minutes or less, maybe they're 45 minutes of rounds and circuits, then low carbohydrate could be a cool tool for you as long as we're not getting too, too low. So anywhere from 50 to hundred grams. And I usually time those around my workouts. So pre and post the reason that I still believe in a low carbohydrate diet, lower carbohydrate diet compared to standard American diet is that at the end of the day, it's about what is causing insulin surges, what's causing this up and down roller coaster ride. And when we have insulin surges, too many carbohydrates, we are going to always drop off. We're always going to have a plummet. And then we're using glucose and sugar as our fuel source instead of using fat as our fuel source. And a cool thing about my diet and weight as well, when you go a long time without eating, you're okay. Yeah, absolutely. How cool is that? It's amazing. I, I like it. Um, and then I've even been trying playing around with obviously like shortening my metabolic window. So I'm going, I mean, I wake up and I'm okay and not eating like first thing right when I get up. Yeah. So longer intermittent fasting yeah. windows. I think that's so awesome because it's, we're not designed to have food available all the time. And I'm not saying jump into that because a lot of my clients aren't ready for that. They, they go without food for five hours and their blood sugar drops and it, they really just either want to nap or they'll instantly grab sugar and coffee. So that's why we start with cutting out sugars, cutting out certain carbohydrate sources so that we can start regulating blood sugar. And then we can either decrease or increase carbohydrates based on your own need. So I would start with just a general rule of thumb around if you're doing high intensity exercises, I would just say anywhere from like, for me, I stick around a hundred 
depending on how intense it is, 100 to 150 grams of carbs. But if I have clients that want to lose weight and they want help with insulin resistance, then I do 50 to 100 grams of carbs. I agree with that. Cool. <laughs> that's what I have to, that's what I say after everything you say. I agree with that. You don't have to. I know. I'm I know. For, no, I'm just saying. I'm spicy like, today, Wade. I I know. <laughs> <laughs> Next so, question. All right. So it's again. It's well. It's like kind of it's a follow up, not a follow up question, but it has to do with uh, ketosis as well. Um, this this person has heard a lot of information on it, and she's not sure if a keto diet would be good for her body type, or is there like a right or wrong body type as far as ketogenic goes. She's uh, 5'2 and 113 pounds. Okay, so the cool thing about ketogenic is that um, same kind of concept, fat burning state. The issue with ketogenic, like true ketogenic diets, you have to be fairly low in protein, 80 grams or less, and also fairly low in carbohydrates, anywhere from 30 grams or less. And that will adjust person to person and depending on your activity level. But that's a really hard place to be for a lot of humans. And so I do a modified ketogenic diet. And I think if you're trying to not lose weight, if you're happy, if you're a smaller, if you're a smaller human and you don't want to lose weight, um, I would not suggest a keto diet, honestly, because I think carbohydrates, they're very anabolic and you can build a lot more bulk and tone and muscle by increasing your carbohydrate intake, um, appropriately. So if you are 113 pounds and you want to build muscle, I would say that I would have you around 100 to 125 grams of carbs, and that would be too much to push you into ketosis. So benefits of a ketogenic diet, very anti-inflammatory, long lasting energy, great for memory, great for brain health, less thinking about calories, more thinking about, you know, am I satisfied or am I not low sugar cravings? The downside to that is many people, and this is why I provide a non-keto and keto plan downside to that is that many people don't digest fats well. So they're coming off of sugar burning. Their pancreas is constantly going up and down blood sugar ups and downs. And then all on top of that, we're demanding our pancreas to break down fats. And so pancreatic enzymes are released once we get past the stomach into the small intestine, and then the gallbladder releases bile that's made by the liver. And if those two pieces aren't ready for as much fat as you're about to consume, then you're going to cause leaky gut. So slowly adjusting your fat intake is a lot better of a process and seeing how you do. Um, I just, if you are just trying to change your body composition, I would play around more with adding a little bit more carbohydrate or, you know, being a fat burner with cyclical carbohydrate intake. So pre and post-workout and maybe a little bit additional in the first big meal post-workout after your post-workout shake. Uh, there is no body type. I think that I could say yes or no to, I think everyone is going to do well with using fat as fuel, but it just depends on your own specific goals. Is there a way to tell like if, um, our bodies is digesting fat. Well, like how would I know whether it is or it's not? That's such a good question. So you would know a lot of times people run to the bathroom. Um, so like MCT oil is known. It's a medium chain triglyceride triglyceride. So it's absorbed in the stomach and you almost instantly know, uh, a lot of people can just have loose stools or their, their stools are floating. So when you think of oil and water, oil always is on top. And so if you are eating a lot of oils and fats and lipids and 
then your stool is not sinking or not even in the middle, then it's a way for you to know your fats aren't being digested. But you will know it's nausea. Um, a lot of times there's sometimes even pain in somebody's right side. So gallbladder, liver, that's where your right rib cage is. That, that's all signs of like, whoa, we went too high fat <laughs> too fast and we need to slow down. And that's what I talk about in the challenge is like, okay, let's get gallbladder support and liver support to make sure that we're going, th we're taking care of that phase, phase one, phase two. Met. I've been on the liver support. <laughs> you have been on the liver support. <laughs> Yeah, and it's been, it's really helpful. It's kind of some questions that I have for my nutritional therapy clients. Um, you know, do you have a pain in your shoulder blade that doesn't go away? Do you get nauseous when you eat fatty foods? Do greasy foods make your stomach hurt? Do you have a headache between your eyes? Do you get motion sickness, airplane sickness? Um, those kind of signs are saying, okay, let's maybe check into gallbladder and make sure it's doing what it needs. Because when we have trans fats or poor fats or we're on a non-fat diet for a long time, it, how are we expecting our gallbladder to automatically make the switch and break down fats appropriately once we start eating those good fats like avocado oil and saturated fats and coconut oil and even well-sourced bacon? It's not fair. You got to give your gallbladder <laughs> some, time, some time to adjust. And so some cool supplements that I use well, the nutrients in the supplements I use can be anything from ox bile to taurine to vitamin C, um, even pancreolipase to help with the pancreas side of things. Those can all be really helpful. Cool. Um, as far as um, seeing as how gut health equals mental health, any thoughts on like Alzheimer's or dementia? My dad was diagnosed last year, so naturally I'm a bit freaked out. I'm so sorry about your dad. Um, it's good to always think of wellness and like preventative wellness, right? So like that's why yeah. I care so much about this is like I know I'm predisposed to some head injury stuff. Like when you think of people that get a lot of concussions, they're more predisposed to memory loss and Alzheimer's and those things. But also just in general, like if you know you have something running in your family, I think first off is your attitude is everything. So as much as you can never like start, I think you breed what you think and what your thoughts are. So if you're going to, you know, I'm not saying specifically to you, but if there's something genetic, sometimes people are just like, this is what it is. I'm going to have this. Yeah. Um, and that might be the case, but when you are constantly allowing your body to absorb that information, like it's just powerful. Your thoughts will definitely manifest in some way. So never think that you are at the mercy of what has been happening in your family, whether it's heart disease or Alzheimer's or whatever it might be. Like you have a choice and you can change your body starting now. And every single time you eat food, you're either fighting disease or you're creating it. And I think when you realize that it's super powerful and I don't mean to be like, woe to the food and holy shit, like I'm never going to eat the same again, but it's kind of true. Like that's why I'm passionate about what I do. When I was at a brain chemistry seminar by Apex Energetics, it was really fascinating. The, the teacher, he said, um, pretty soon Alzheimer's disease is going to be named type 3 diabetes. And I think that was really wow. powerful. Yeah, because you think of it, like when you are demanding blood sugar from your body, you your blood sugar gets lower. And this happens more and more the higher carbohydrate intake the higher our carbohydrate intake is, if blood sugar drops, our body, our hypothalamus, our pituitary, it has to say release more. And then we go through this process of getting more glucose into the blood, 
then we sometimes have this cortisol paradigm and then this adrenal issue. And it's just really fascinating because what happens over time with too much cortisol and too many, too much negative feedback coming from that blood sugar response is it degrades your brain and it cortisol literally will break down your hippocampus. And, and then you look long-term, like when you look at your myelin sheath and the way that your brain is, it's like, if you don't have good saturated fats and good proteins for those neurotransmitters, and then you're also on top of that adding good or adding poor diet choices, so blood sugar issues, there's so many, just that in itself will cause brain issues long-term. And so I think for you, just be really aware, like the choices you make will come down, just be smart about your blood sugar, know if you're getting hangry, if your blood sugar is dropping a lot, are you craving sugar a lot? And if that's the case, then let's figure out how to fix that. And let's see what we can do to support that system and that pancreas, the, the pancreas issue. And then also brain health. I'm just so obsessed with glutathione, resveratrol. I, I sell both of them on my site. Glutathione, I sell in super oxy cell form. Resveratrol, I sell with resvero. It's this like delicious liquid. And then turmeric is great for inflammation. Those are probably my three overall anti-inflammatories that aren't just great for the brain, but good for, for inflammation in the body altogether. I think that's probably a big thing. But then again, it's like really just eat good food, like choline, great for the brain. Where, what's the highest source of choline? Eggs. Where are you going what to? Is oh, man. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> I was like, so we're eating good eggs for breakfast or for lunch, and we're breaking down breaking down that choline. Our digestion is good. We don't have leaky gut. Then we're getting our brain the things we need. So that's why food is so powerful. Um, next question: How do you keep from beating yourself up when you give in to cravings? Um, this. You know, this person eats really clean most of the time, but then sometimes they just, you know, they want some chocolate um, <laughs> and then I feel like they feel guilty afterwards. Um, so how do you partake in cravings with, uh, and then remain positive after That's doing a, so? Oh, this is so good. Great question. Cause honestly, like meal plan aside, exercise aside, it really is food is emotional. It's emotional. It's an Secrets, emo private. Wayne knows this more than anybody. I have, I have food issues. No, well, I don't know what the issues. <laughs> I think we all do. I think it's just a relationship with food. I always say the, our relationship with food is the most important relationship you will ever have. And other than the one with yourself. So for me, I always say, all right, so I am not, I think, I think I'll start here. If I am craving sugar quite a bit, I always take a step back because there's a reason I'm craving sugar. I don't think we crave sugar naturally. When your body's in balance, sugar cravings don't occur. So if I'm craving sugar quite a bit, I, I look at my stress levels. I look at my diet. Am I missing protein? Am I having too many carbohydrates throughout the day and my body's now getting used to them? Um, and also even things like candida can make your body crave sugar. It's literally like an animal inside you saying, Oh, I, I do know about that. <laughs> you do. That's for real. For real. And so outside of just typical kind of hormonal changes that especially women go through, if you are craving sugar quite a bit, even after you went through my 21 day program, you did 21 days, no sugar, but the sugar cravings were still there after day eight, after day nine, after day 10, there's something else going on. And that's so cool for me because I'm like, okay, maybe we have insulin resistance that I can help support. And maybe we have some pancreas, maybe it's just a B vitamin thing, or maybe it's a berberine thing. There's so many ways to nutritionally support the organ to help prevent the sugar cravings. But if I'm just 
in the mood for a cookie and it's not because my energy is low and it's not because my stress is high. And this happened this weekend. I was in Breckenridge and there's this gluten-free, what's it used to be called Mary's cookies. Yeah, and now Mary's it's called Mountain cookies. What they changed it. It's mountaintop cookies. Get out of town. <laughs> this what? Is, this is Wade's favorite spot in the world. Yeah. And it really does have, they have the best gluten-free it cookies. It smells so good. And I went on a long hike. It was kind of funny because we hiked up to a lake with a paddleboard and it was, the lake was frozen. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, God, I, you know, I worked a lot today. I definitely, I feel just extra hungry because I had moved a lot that day and it wasn't this, I have to have a crate. I have to have a cookie. I'm going to die. It was like, I just really want a gluten-free cookie. And I knew that it was coming from a good place and I knew I was going to do it. And I had this moment where I was like, I refuse. If I eat this, I refuse to feel guilty about it. I always have that talk with myself before, because if I just impulsively grab it and shove it in my mouth and I'm inevitably going to feel guilty about it. So tell yourself before it happens, maybe plan it, maybe say Saturday. That's why cheat meals can be so helpful saying like, I'm planning it. It's my intention. My intention is not to feel guilty. It's not to throw off my diet. It's just to know like this is going to happen and I want balance in my life. I I know there's a birthday coming up. I know my birthday's coming up. I know that I'm going to be on vacation and I don't, you know, I just want a fucking cookie and that's okay. Just have the talk with yourself before it happens because if you don't, then you're going to get into that downward spiral where you have the cookie and then maybe you have another one because you feel bad about it. Yeah. And, and then, then you're just like, well, screw it. Screw I'll just it. eat all the cookies. I'll just eat all the cookies. <laughs> and then, you know, what I notice is it is true. If you have sugar, your body will crave sugar. True. So you cannot let yourself keep going down the path. I think it's just a slippery slope for most of my clients and for myself. It's not going to be just me having one cookie and then never craving a cookie. It's like, if I have a cookie, I'm going to unleash the monster. So I have to have a cookie monster. The cookie monster (laughs) comes out. So I remember very vividly. So Saturday I had a cookie. It was fucking so good. Wait, oh my God, it's the best. It was, it's massive. It was peanut butter. I had the toffee something. That was fire. So fire. But Sunday, you know, it was harder for me to one, get out of bed. And you know, that was a lot. I had wine as well. Um, So (laughs) we can't just say it was the cookie, but I was less likely to make better decisions for breakfast. I really wanted to just go crazy and get like gluten-free waffles and syrup. Breakfast cookies. (laughs) Cookies all day. And there was, I had to have that. Big breath in, big breath out. Like this is not in my best interest and I have to stop it now or it's just going to get out of hand. But then I know maybe Saturday I have that control. I trust myself. So many of us, and this is literally what I want to write my book on. So many of us just lose trust in ourselves because we've been told so many different things or we feel like we failed ourselves so many different times. And guys, it's just, it's not the case. Like your relationship with food is so important because it's really like, it, it can either destroy your relationship with yourself or it can make it really positive. And so many times my clients come to me and they have a terrible relationship with themselves because they have a terrible relationship with food and they feel like a failure. They feel like they're, they're losing the battle because that, you know, I even had this talk with a client, like they're losing battle after battle because they give into these sugar cravings. And when you change your focus and you start thinking about, I am in, I am in control and I'm doing this for my best interest. And just because I have a cookie does not mean I'm a failure. It just means that I am, I'm on my journey and it's going to happen and let go of that stress. The stress of eating the cookie 
would be worse than eating 10 cookies, in my opinion, because you're causing cortisol havoc on your adrenals. And when you have adrenal issues, it's impossible to lose weight until you fix it. So stop being crazy, people. Stop being crazy <laughs> to yourself. I think we're going to stop there. I think that was perfect. Um, wait at my narrator. I know you have to go. You have wait, to go. I want to ask about, oh. where I was like, one thing I wanted to ask you, because I don't even like the term cheat meals. I feel like that gives it like a negative connotation, like right away. Yeah. Like, why does it have to be like cheating? Sounds so bad. So I just like tell people. What do you tell people? I don't know what I tell. <laughs> what do I tell people? I tell people like don't don't stress it so much, and it's not like I'm cheating on because. Your diet is just, I look at my diet as the way I eat, like that I'm not like stuck into this parameter of like constantly having to stick to walk this tightrope with what I eat or don't eat or things like that. And I have like more of an open mind. And then if I go off of it, like I just, just get right back on. I don't look at it as like, oh man, I fell off and then just use it as a big thing, just I try to just get right back on track with Do you it. have a hard time? This is something I would like to ask you. What are tips for you to get back on track? Like, is it hard for you? Do you have any tips for people? Because that's a big issue. It's like, okay, I had a cookie and now it's like, now I have 10 cookies. So what's, do you have any advice for people that feel like it's really, I mean, it gets easier guys. It really does. But what's something that you use when you have like your crazy gluten-free donut uh, binges i just get it out of my house you know i just go back to like getting it out of my house because if it's in if it's in my reach i'm gonna grab it yeah, right? you know so i i look at it i try to just eliminate it and get it out back out of my house like if i'm you know keeping a lot of gluten-free dairy-free ice cream in my fridge or whatever i just will go off on these things where i just will just go crazy because i think it's okay because it's gluten-free and that doesn't that doesn't make it okay. Yeah. You know, and then I'll just be going crazy, especially at night. Like the worst time for me to eat is when I'll eat it. So I just try to, you know, I hard line at the, at the grocery store. I just keep my head down. Don't look in that ice cream section. And I just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> just keep and going. then I, I did just do a nine news segment on some like good, um, good alternatives to things like, you know, Gatorade and Jello and banana ice cream. So you guys should check that out. I'll post it on banana my ice cream. I know it's good. Uh, it's all on my iPhone app. This is so fun. Next time we talk, Wade, if you're my three P, which I would love to do this again because we didn't even get to have the questions. Um, you're getting into the keto. You're getting a ketone monitor. Oh yeah, it's about to get real. <laughs> yeah. So he's gonna start. I got one too. Just to, I have a breathalyzer one, but I would like to start testing blood ketones and see where I'm at. Um, I've done cyclical ketosis, but I kind of want to see how I do with CrossFit and cyclical ketosis with true. I'm glad that I'm monitor. not doing CrossFit. I'm, I'm in line with the answer to your questions because I'm doing endurance training. Yeah. So endurance okay. and high fat are where it's at for sure. Thank you guys for listening. I have a next challenge powered by Verizon, which is just so awesome. They're, we're we're going to do some sick Verizon giveaways, like really cool techie stuff. Um, starting July 10th. Uh, what else is happening? June 15th. So that's tomorrow. I'm going to be doing a talk with Dr. Lauren Kodak at Nakao Talks. I posted it on my Facebook page, Emily Strom. And then um, June 24th, hiking the Manitou Springs incline. As always, stay in touch with my Instagram, Emily Strom, my superhero challenge um, Instagram as well. And then evolve motion for my impact and all things workout. 
You guys are awesome. See you next week.